0: LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated US-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at lifelock.com/aware. Terms apply. For over a 100 years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. Made in mind! But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories that, when sewn together, form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood, available now wherever you get podcasts. Hello and welcome to History Tea Time. I'm Lindsay Holliday, and I'm spilling the tea on history. Episode 6, Season 5 of the Netflix series The Crown, features a heart-rending scene of the Romanov family being woken from their beds in the middle of the night and led down to the basement of Ipatiev House, where they'd been held prisoner for months. The family were told to pose for a photograph so the world would know they were alive and well, but instead of a camera shutter, their guards opened fire and murdered them all. The Crown is becoming notorious for dramatizing history past the point of fact, but sadly, the horrifying scene is pretty close to what we know happened in reality. It is also true that Tsar Nikolai's first cousin, King George V of the UK, had the chance to save them, but because of fears of being associated with a Russian tyrant and a German sympathizer in the midst of World War I, the British king declined to rescue his relatives. In this episode of the podcast, we are going to explore how the British, Russian, and several other royal families of Europe were related through a man known as the father-in-law of Europe. And now, without further ado… The Daughters of King Christian IX of Denmark Christian IX of Denmark is one of the most prolific patriarchs in royal history. His six children inherited, were elected to, or married in to the most powerful monarchies of 19th century Europe. And their descendants have occupied nine different European thrones – Denmark, of course, but also Norway, Belgium, the United Kingdom, Greece, Spain, Russia, Romania, and Luxembourg. King Christian was from a minor branch of the Danish royal family and was never expected to be king. At twenty-one, he briefly courted the twenty-year-old Queen Victoria of the United Kingdom, whom he met while attending her coronation. He spent money he didn't have to buy a new suit to impress her. But she fell for a different minor royal, Prince Albert of Saxe-Coburg and Gotha, and together they established their own impressive royal dynasty. Christian recovered from his disappointment and fell in love with his cousin, Louisa of Hesse-Kessel. They were wed in 1842 and lived a happy and simple life together. She raised their six children with practical skills, the girls learning to cook and sew their own clothes. And occasionally, family friend Hans Christian Andersen would visit to tell the children bedtime stories. But their simple life was upended when the senior branch of the royal family died out and Christian became king of Denmark. Queen Louisa proved to be particularly adept at dynastic politics, and she got to work setting up their children, now in their late teens and early twenties, with impressive political marriages to the most powerful royal families of Europe. Thus, King Christian became known as the father-in-law of Europe. His three daughters shook up their new royal families with their pragmatism and practicality And despite being spread across the continent, they remained close, frequently visiting each other and returning home to Denmark nearly every summer. Let's get to know the three illustrious daughters of King Christian IX. Alexandra, Queen of the United Kingdom. Known as Alex to her family, she was a capable and practical young woman who helped her mother manage the household. Alex and her sister Dalmar were very close and shared an attic bedroom. They had no idea that they would one day be married to the two most powerful rulers in Europe. Alex and her sisters were educated by their mother in reading and writing, while their father shared with them his passion for drawing. And, radically for the time, they were taught how to swim. Meanwhile in the United Kingdom, Queen Victoria was on the hunt for a bride for her eldest son and heir, Edward, Prince of Wales. She struggled to find a suitable match among the family's German relations, and Edward rejected several ladies as he was more keen to continue on with his playboy bachelor life. Queen Victoria turned to her eldest daughter, Princess Victoria, who had recently been married to the future emperor of Germany. The younger Victoria recommended Princess Alexandra, and though she wasn't German, the British Queen decided that she was the best option available. Princess Victoria introduced her brother to Alexandra, but his love affair with an Irish actress and the early death of his father Albert postponed the wedding for a year. Edward and Alexandra eventually wed in 1863, but as the British royal family was still in mourning for Prince Albert, all the guests but the bride were required to wear black, grey, lilac, or mauve, making for a rather drab celebration. Later that year, Alexandra's father became king of Denmark, and he went to war with Germany over the duchy of Schleswig-Holstein. As Alexandra and her new groom favored the Danish side in the conflict, they found themselves at odds with the queen and the rest of the Germanophile royal family. Alexandra and Edward had a relatively happy marriage and kept a lively court at Sandringham House, away from the judgmental eyes of his mother. The Princess of Wales was dignified, charming, affectionate, and jolly. She loved dancing and ice skating and was an expert horsewoman, carriage driver, and hunter, all of which scandalized the Queen, who begged her daughter-in-law to stop and behave more ladylike, but to no avail. The Princess took on many royal duties in Queen Victoria's place and was particularly interested in supporting hospitals. She was well loved by the people and was cheered enthusiastically wherever she went. She was also a fashion icon and popularized the choker necklace, which she wore to cover up a scar on her neck from a childhood operation. Alexandra might have preferred that her husband pay a bit more attention to her, but they seem to have had an understanding as he famously took at least 50 mistresses in his life and she didn't seem to be that bothered about it. Alexander herself is believed to have been faithful to Edward throughout their marriage. She gave birth to their first child, Prince Albert Victor, in 1864, and she was devoted to him. She loved nothing more than spending time caring for her children. She was in her glory when she could run up to the nursery, put on a flannel apron, wash the children, and see them asleep in their little beds. But this tender affection was yet another bone of contention between the princess and her mother-in-law. Queen Victoria was a famously icy, formal, and controlling mother, and she often criticized Alexandra's tolerant and affectionate parenting. All six of Alexandra's children were born prematurely, though it is suspected that she misled Victoria as to their actual due dates so that the queen would not be present when she was in labor. The princess had a difficult delivery with her third child, Louisa, which was complicated by a bout of rheumatic fever. She nearly died and was left with a permanent limp, but her status as a fashion icon was such that many society ladies began to emulate her distinctive new walk. In 1868, the Prince and Princess of Wales embarked on an official tour of Austria, Egypt, and Greece, where they visited her brother, now King George I of Greece. In Turkey, Alexandra was the first woman to sit down to dinner with the Sultan. By her late 20s, Alexandra began to experience deafness, which made her increasingly uncomfortable in social situations. She preferred to spend time at home with her children and pets. As it was well known that she doted on animals, she was often gifted dogs and other more exotic animals from foreign royals, and ended up keeping quite a menagerie at Sandringham. Her sixth and final child, a son named Alexander John, died within a day of his birth. Alexandra and Edward wished to grieve in private, but Queen Victoria, ever the fan of misery, insisted on dragging the grieving parents out in public for a period of official court mourning. Edward put his foot down and refused to bury his son in a state funeral, instead placing the baby in his coffin himself and burying him on the Sandringham estate. When Alexandra's two eldest sons were 12 and 13, they were sent away for a three-year cruise around the world as part of their naval education. Alexandra was deeply saddened to be parted from the boys and wrote them often. Upon their return, she took Albert Victor with her to St. Petersburg to attend her sister's coronation as Tsarina of Russia. Prince Albert Victor died of influenza at the age of 28, and Alexandra was devastated. She wrote to her parents, I have buried my angel and with him my happiness. In 1901, Queen Victoria died and Edward and Alexandra became a king and queen of the United Kingdom. Edward became seriously ill with appendicitis and Alexandra kept up her public engagements so as not to cause alarm. But eventually the new king recovered and the couple were crowned together in Westminster Abbey. As queen, Alexandra was politically outspoken She continued to be anti-German and was deeply distrustful of her nephew, Kaiser Wilhelm II of Germany, and his growing power. She wrote a memorandum warning British ministers against a planned trade of the British North Sea island of Heligoland for the German colony of Zanzibar, but was unheeded. And just as she predicted, Heligoland became a key launching point for Germany's naval attacks on the UK during World War I. Nine years into his reign, King Edward fell seriously ill. Alexandra nursed him, even allowing his mistress, Alice Keppel, to bid him farewell, and she remained by his side until he died at the age of 68. Alexandra, now the queen mother to her son, King George V, was also a grandmother, and doted on her grandchildren, often caring for them while her son and his wife left on royal tours. She was renowned for her youthful beauty and slim waist into her senior years, but the outbreak of World War I took a toll on her health and she began to wear heavy makeup, which some described as making her face look enameled. Alexandra died in 1925 at the age of 80 and was buried next to her husband and son Alexander John on the Sandringham Estate. Her great-granddaughter is the current queen of the United Kingdom, Elizabeth II, and her great-grandson via her daughter, Maud, is King Harald V of Norway. Dalmar, Maria Fyodorovna, Tsarina of Russia. Christian and Louisa's second daughter was baptized Marie-Sophie-Federique Dalmar, but was known as Dalmar or Minnie within the family. She loved to read and taught herself several languages, after her elder sister, Alexandra, was married to Edward, Prince of Wales, their mother began to look for an equally brilliant match for her second daughter. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc crispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it, every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lindsay Holliday here from History Tea Time. If you like history that's spooky, strange, and mysterious, then I think you'll love the podcast History Uncovered from the makers of all that's interesting. This conversational podcast covers a variety of topics in the world of true crime, unsolved mysteries, and fascinating stories from history, folklore, and the paranormal. I've been especially enjoying the recent miniseries on the sinking of the Titanic. This has long been a topic of fascination for me, but I was excited to learn some new things about it from History Uncovered. There are also episodes on who really shot JFK, the possible cannibalization of Michael Rockefeller, the true story that inspired The Exorcist, and much more. And their monthly special, History Happy Hour, dives into recent news in the world of history and archaeology. Explore the uncharted corners of the past by listening to History Uncovered wherever you get your podcasts. And the only groom who could possibly equal the future monarch of Great Britain was the future monarch of the other great power of Europe, Russia. Tsar Alexander II's eldest son, 20-year-old Tsarevich Nikolai, was handsome, charming, intelligent, and enjoyed writing poetry. He had been sent photographs of the beautiful Princess Dalmar for years and had become quite enchanted by her, and when the pair first met in person, the feeling was mutual. They became engaged and used a diamond to scratch their initials into a window in the Russian summer palace as was tradition. She utilized her gift for languages to quickly learn her fiance's native tongue and the couple wrote letters to each other daily while Nikolai was on tour in southern Europe. But suddenly Nikolai's letters stopped and Dalmar was distraught. She received a telegram from the Tsar that his son was in Nice and terribly ill with meningitis. He had already been given the last rites. Dalmar and the Tsar raced to Nikolai's bedside. They arrived just in time to wish Nikolai a tearful farewell. The dying Tsarevich asked his younger brother Alexander, who was about to become heir to the throne, to also take Dalmar's hand in marriage. The new Tsarevich was not nearly as handsome or intelligent as his brother had been, He was awkward socially and physically, and at 6'3 was remarkably tall and broad for his time. But he was kind and good-natured, and Dalmar agreed to the match. Now 18, she said a tearful farewell to her family and traveled to St. Petersburg to be married. Dalmar converted to the Russian Orthodox religion and took the Russian name Maria Fyodorovna, derived from her own first name of Marie and the traditional patronymic second name given to foreign royal brides, Fyodorovna, from Fyodor, meaning gift of God. The couple married in extravagant style at the Winter Palace, but Maria's parents didn't have enough money to make a big show to the other Grand European royals in attendance, so they stayed away from their daughter's wedding. The young bride found the Russian court to be very formal and stiff compared to her relaxed upbringing in Denmark, but she had an easy nature and soon adapted. Alexander doted on his new wife, and she became quite content attending grand balls and dressing in the finest clothes and jewels. A year into their marriage, she gave birth to their first child, Nikolai. Five more children followed. Their second son, Alexander, died of meningitis in infancy. The Tsarevich, a famously stern man in most situations, was gentle and loving with his wife and children. He enjoyed playing games and ice skating with them. But outside of the palace walls, all was not well in Russia serfdom and social injustice plagued the people and the luxurious lifestyle of the Romanov family incited fury. Dissidents believed that they could spark a revolution by killing the Tsar. A bomb was detonated in a dining room of the Winter Palace and had the royal family not been late coming to dinner they all would have been killed. In 1881 Tsar Alexander was bombed while driving in his carriage. Maria and the family bid the dying Tsar farewell, and Maria was horrified to see that her father-in-law's legs had been blown to pieces. In these terrifying circumstances, Alexander and Maria were crowned Tsar and Tsarina of Russia. Ironically, the dead Tsar had been liberally minded and wanted to improve the lives of the poor people of his country. He had been working with his brother Constantine on a democratic constitution which was about to be made public when he was killed. But his son, now Tsar Alexander III, was much more conservative and narrow-minded. He ripped up his father's constitution and banished his uncle Constantine to Serbia. The secret police feared for the life of the new Tsar and his family, so they moved out of the sumptuous Winter Palace and into the more secure, but much more dreary and cramped, Gotchin Palace. Balls and social gatherings were also greatly reduced. Maria was not particularly happy in her new, drab lifestyle. Six years into Alexander's reign, another attempt was made on the Tsar's life. A group of students filled hollowed out books with dynamite and planned to bomb the family while they were visiting the Peter and Paul Cathedral. The conspirators were discovered by the police and hanged, but among their number was a young man whose brother, Vladimir, swore revenge on the Romanov family. He would get it 30 years later after becoming known as Lenin. In another horrifying incident, the family's train was derailed and the youngest child, six-year-old Olga, was thrown out of a window. The Tsar used his immense strength to hold up the roof of the train so his family could escape. They all survived, but it was never known if this was a mere accident or yet another assassination attempt. The best respite the family had from their incessant fear was their annual summer trip back to Denmark, which they all enjoyed immensely and every year Alexander commissioned a new egg to be created by artist Carl Fabergé for his wife. At 49 the Tsar fell ill with kidney failure and died in his wife's arms. Maria was desolate and her older sister Alexandra made haste to Russia to be by her side. She remained with Maria day and night for two weeks during the whirlwind of the funeral and her son Nikolai's wedding to Alexandra Fyodrovna. At first, the Dowager Empress maintained her place as the First Lady of Russia. She insisted on walking next to her son during formal occasions while his new wife stood in the back. She saw her son as weak and advised him to rule much as his father had, rejecting new ideas or modernization. Maria was unimpressed with her daughter-in-law's difficulty learning Russian, lack of social grace and that she gave birth to four daughters before bearing a son and heir ten years into the marriage. But once the Tsarevich was born, Alexandra was raised up in the eyes of the people and her husband and she began to exercise more influence over him, displacing her mother-in-law. Feeling her prominence in the royal family fading, Maria began to spend more time abroad in Denmark. She and her sister Alexandra bought a villa together north of Copenhagen, where they spent many happy summers. In 1914, Russia entered World War I, but Tsar Nikolai was a poor military commander and led the army to disaster and the deaths of over two million soldiers. This was just the opportunity Vladimir Lenin and his followers needed to finally incite a revolution, take over the country, and depose the Tsar. Maria fled the capital with her daughters and escaped to the Crimea. While there, she was informed that her son and his family had been murdered by the revolutionaries. Bolshevik soldiers began to advance on the Crimea and Maria's sister Alexandra sent a British warship to rescue her. She had no choice but to leave Russia, the country she had spent nearly her entire life, forever. She spent her final years in Denmark and died at the age of 80 in 1928. Tura, Crown Princess of Hanover and Duchess of Cumberland Tura was the first child born after her father was named heir to the Danish throne and was 10 when he became king. She was beautiful and gentle with striking dark blue eyes and had a passion for painting. She made her social debut at 17, but was lonely without her two older sisters, who had both left Denmark to be married. While her mother was on the hunt for an equally illustrious husband for Tura, she fell in love with an army officer, Lieutenant Wilhelm Marcher. Queen Louisa was aware of the romance, but thought it was a harmless youthful flirtation. That is until Tura became pregnant. At 18, the princess went to stay in Greece officially to visit her brother who was now king there, but in reality to give birth to her child away from Denmark to avoid a scandal. Tura gave birth to a daughter who was adopted by a Danish family and named Kate. Heartbroken, Lieutenant Marcher killed himself. Upon learning the news, Tura suffered a breakdown and a bout of typhoid fever. She came near to death, but recovered. Upon returning home, she received a marriage proposal from King Wilhelm III of the Netherlands, but as he was 36, nearly twice her age, she turned him down. She was more interested in Ernst August, the Crown Prince of Hanover. His father, King George V of Hanover, had lost his throne during the unification of Germany, but there was hope that his son might gain it back. In the meantime, he went by his British title, Duke of Cumberland. Ernst was an awkward man and a notoriously bad dresser, but his jovial personality made him well loved by all who knew him. Queen Louisa and Princess Alexandra were particularly fond of Ernst and arranged a meeting between him and Tura. The pair got on so well that she proposed to him and he happily accepted. The couple married at Christmas in Copenhagen and then moved to Austria. They had a happy marriage and preferred a quiet life at home with each other and their six children rather than a glittering social life. In 1912, their eldest son, George, 31, was on his way to attend the funeral of his uncle, King Frederick VIII of Denmark, when he was killed in an automobile accident. As the crash had occurred in Germany, Kaiser Wilhelm organized a guard of honor to escort George's body home. Thura and Ernst sent their younger son Ernst August to Berlin to pay their respects to the Kaiser and while he was there he fell in love with Wilhelm's daughter Victoria. The parents were unhappy to see their son join the family that had forced them off the throne of Hanover, but they didn't stand in the way of his happiness. The wedding in 1913 was the last time that cousins, Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany, King George V of the UK and Tsar Nikolai of Russia ever met before they went to war. During World War I, Ture and Ernst supported Austria and Germany and were thus stripped of their British title of Duke and Duchess of Cumberland, much to their dismay. Ernst died at the age of 78 after 45 years of marriage and Ture was left rather lonely but she filled her final years by spending time with her children and grandchildren and returned home to Denmark often. She died in 1933 at the age of 79. In the next video, we'll meet King Christian's three distinguished sons, Frederick VIII, King of Denmark, George I, King of Greece, and Prince Valdemar, who was twice offered crowns of his own but turned them down to be a sailor. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'll be putting out new episodes each Tuesday, revisiting and revamping my most popular YouTube videos. Thank you for listening. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?